Well, I want to welcome all of you that are here. I obviously want to welcome those of you that are online. And today is Father's Day. You know, throughout this country, there are sermons being delivered that are being directed to our fathers. But it occurred to me <clears throat> that uh, the way we present Mother's Day, how it differs from the way we present Father's Day. You know, on Mother's Day, we praise moms, we praise them for their faithfulness, for their devotion, for their love, and we pass out carnations. Then Father's Day comes along. And for dads, <clears throat> preachers often challenge our men that they should have effective leadership in their homes and in the church. That's their biblical mandate. And of course, we end these sermons with a brief closing word of encouragement as if somehow that'll do the job. Well, this morning we're going to do something just a little different. Our focus is going to be on the greatest father in this universe. That's God. God the Father. And I thought it better for the encouragement of our men because they know that we have a father who is leading us and teaching us and directing us on fatherhood. And we have something that we can copy. And so the title of my sermon this morning is The Faithfulness of God as Father. I have a theme that I've listed, the story of a fallen life and a father's love. My text is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. And it's printed in the New American Standard 1995 edition in your outlines, in your uh, handouts. And of course, there's an outline for you to follow in the back for your easy reference. You know, the message is about the prodigal son. It is such a familiar story in Christendom. And it has not been that long <clears throat> that I myself preached on the prodigal son within the past few months. And the story is obviously the same, but I hope to give it a different slant. It's going to be similar, yet yes, different. You know, the theme fits in and weaves in and out of the message. But walk with me first through Psalm 1914, as I always do. And so, dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You know, the story of the prodigal son would be nothing but a story about falling and failure if it were not for the faithfulness of the father that's depicted. And we can read stories of sons and daughters that are prodigal from any age, but many of those do not end well. Many of them end in tragedy and despair. And the message this morning is really not so much about a fallen son, but about a faithful father. And the Bible depicts God as the faithful father of man, mankind, of Israel, and of the church. You know, he was there at the fall of Adam and Eve, but instead of dismissing and destroying mankind, he clothed them, and he offered them a second chance. And then we find David committing adultery, killing the husband of Bathsheba. Of course, the Lord forgave him and called him a man after his own heart. And we have Jonah. He was a prodigal prophet. 
He tried to run away from the calling of God, and the Lord spared his life and gave him a second chance. And we have Elijah. Elijah wanted to quit. He actually asked the Lord to take his life. Yet God used him in a mighty, mighty way. And in the New Testament, we see Peter as a man of many blunders and many flaws. And yet the Lord patiently waited for him to mature and then used him exceedingly and mightily for the church. And the Apostle Paul, he was a persecutor of the church. There are many that he injured and there are many that he imprisoned. And yet the Lord changed him and changed him to the degree that he wrote more than half of the New Testament. I think we can depend on our Heavenly Father. He's dependable and he's faithful. Listen to Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then 1 Corinthians 1, 9 says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, we often fail to see the bigger picture. And in failing to see the bigger picture, we question the plans and the paths of life that the Lord is leading us through. Ultimately, he's ever faithful, even though we don't see the bigger picture. Consider remembering God's faithfulness. I suspect that there are a few of us here who need a reminder of his faithfulness today. And so I think, wouldn't it be cool if we could just sit down with some of the men and women in the Bible and talk about their memories of the times they had with God? And wouldn't it be awesome to hear Joseph's rendition of the events that took him from a dreary prison cell to the palace? Or to listen to Daniel as he tells us how faithful God is and how he kept him alive and unharmed during the entire night while he was there in a den of lions. What if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could show us the clothes that they wore in the fiery furnace without a burn or a scorch mark on them, without even the smell of smoke? Now, do you need to look back and remember what he's done for you? Do you need to share these memories with your children, with your grandchildren, or with anyone that needs to listen to them? I'm so grateful. I can look back and remember where I have been with him. And I praise God that he was faithful in the past. And that gives me assurances that he will be faithful in the future. And so first in your online, consider the leave that the father extended. You know, the story of this lost son There is a contrast between those who considered that they had done everything right and they had no need of repentance, for example, the elder brother, and those who were obviously sinners and they knew it, for example, the younger brother. There's also a contrast between the pardoning love of God, for example, the father who welcomes the rebel home, and the cold and merciless attitude of the Pharisees, For example, the older brother who was angry because of the welcome that the rebel received. But because the Pharisees knew God's law, they had an advantage over the tax collectors. But because they were self-righteous, 
They never saw themselves as dead or lost. They therefore never came to God in repentance. As a result, they were left out of the kingdom. But repentant sinners entered in. Then we consider the two sons. Our text, Luke 15, 11 says, And he said, a man had two sons. This story is about the father. He's the main character. The two sons can be symbolic of a lost son and a saved son, a backslider and a self-righteous son, or about the Jews and the Gentiles. But in all probability, this is the story of a wayward son that was lost, and then he came to himself and realizes that he needs God depicted as the father. That's many of us, if not all of us. God is the father of everyone, but this does not mean that we are all saved. You know, he created this world. So in that sense, he is the father of all creation, but that does not automatically afford us the luxury of heaven. You're either saved or you are lost. And the young man in the story today is lost and he's headed out into a world to live his life. The younger of two sons begins by making a very heartbreaking decision to leave his family and his father. So let's listen to the tragic statement in Luke 15, 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. There was a time when Adam and Eve decided that they preferred to try things their own way. And so they left the father and they entered into a fallen and sinful state. And this younger son brought much grief and heartache upon his father, but his father would not keep from letting him go. You ask, why did the father not make his son stay at home? Well, none of us are robots. God has given each and every person here their own free will. And this son caused so much ado within the family as his father had to divide his estate. And so secondly, you're online, consider the loss that the father experienced. You know, the, the younger of the two sons is going to make his father experience a great and grievous loss. I can see... I, I can see God as he watched Adam and, Lee, Adam and Eve leave the Garden of Eden, leaving due to their sinfulness and their fallen state. I believe it had to be heartbreaking to the Heavenly Father to watch them exit the paradise that he had set up for them. And the father in this story was not going to make his son stay where he obviously did not want to stay. God will not make you become a Christian Against your will, he gives you the freedom to choose. Let's consider the son's swift flight. Our text, Luke 15, 13a says, Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went out on a journey into a distant country. This young man had a thirst for the world, a thirst for the bright lights of the big city. As so off he goes into a foreign country, and I think this young man made a hasty exit from his father. He wanted out of there. And off he goes to a strange land. Evidently, the son turns the assets that he received and he turns it into cash 
and then he departs to have fun. Now, he may have wanted to find himself, but he ended up losing himself. This son gets lost as a result of his own choices. So consider the son's sinful folly. Your text, Luke 15, 13b states, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. I can see that young man as he liquidates all of his assets and takes his cash for the first time in his life. He thinks he's in control and nobody's going to tell him how to live his life. And off he goes. You know, this story, these verses, tells us nothing about how things played out at home. You know, the father had to sell some assets and and give the younger son his requested portion. It does not tell us about the father standing there watching his his son walk away. How would you feel if your son or daughter walked away from your home telling you that they wanted to go and sow their wild oats? That boy went and wasted all he had. In sinful living, he wasted it all. So then third, consider in your outline the load, the burden that the father endured. You know, when the prodigal son eventually came home, the elder son apparently knew about his wasted life and how he had squandered away all of his wealth. And it seems that the father also was keeping tabs on his son's whereabouts, what he was doing, and how things were going in his life. And the father had to live with that insight, with that knowledge, day in and day out. That's a load for a father to bear, knowing that his son was having a rough go of it. But it was the boy's choice, and he had to let him, and only him, make the decision of whether to return home. So we consider his poverty and his predicament, our text, Luke 15, 14, states, Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. You know, this boy went to this far-off land, and he got himself in trouble. He spent all of his monetary funds, and then a mighty famine hit the area, and he became to have great need. Listen, God knows how to get our attention. He can take what we have and pull it all away until we need him. Actually, until we desperately need him. Now consider this boy's partnership in pain. Look at Luke 15, 15 and 16, which states, So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving him anything to him. That's his solution. Things became so bad in this young man's life that he got a job on a pig farm. It can never get any worse for a Jew. It would be the last, last, last resort for a Jewish boy working on a pig farm. And it got so bad as he worked on this pig farm, he became so hungry that he wanted to get down and eat with those pigs. He was literally starving to death, and yet not one person offered him anything. I can see him. 
I, I can see him as he looks down on those pigs as they were eating, realizing that the owner cared so much about his pigs that he made sure that they were fed. Yet, there he was, empty-handed, with nothing to eat. You know, the far country offered him nothing. No compassion, no mercy, no grace, and no provisions. This young man got what he wanted, but it turns out he didn't want what he got. How many times has this scenario played out throughout history? You've heard, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you want to pay. You know, I wonder if this young man really thought and had big plans for the far country. Did he plan on just going down there and living it up, thinking he would make many friends, party and have fun, become his own man, live his own life, have a life without any rules? And now he has no friends, he has no money, and he's feeding pigs in a foreign land. Now consider his psychic and his plan. Our text, Luke 15, 17, states, But when he came to his census, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? This young man had a pig pen moment. I call this moment pig pen psychology, and that's exactly what happened right there at the pig pen. He was lonely, he was hungry, he was dirty, and he was filled with worry and anxiety. And this old boy began to think about home, how it used to be, how his father's servants had it better than he. At least they had more than enough food to eat. You know, I can see him now. As he sits there at that pig pen, and he's watching these pigs eating, his clothes are ragged, his feet are bare, and his belly is growling from lack of food. Listen. The best place where God can draw a lost man is for the man to realize that he's lost. Unless a man realizes that he's lost, there is no need in him to want to be saved. But the moment he gets lost, then God can do a work in his heart. And this old boy is having a moment of conviction. Something is gnawing at his heart. He has a pull towards home. He realizes that he is perishing. Things have gone from good to bad to worse. And he's in a real mess. The prodigal is now beginning to worry about death and dying. The best place for a sinner to be is lost. And knowing that he's separated from the Lord on his way to hell, then and only then, can he be saved? Listen, you do not get saved on your own terms. If you think you did or can, you're gravely mistaken. The Spirit of the Lord must draw you just like the prodigal son felt the draw of home and the draw of his father's love. In that pig pen, he had the most precious moment a man can have. He felt the pull of home, and home was where he ought to be. He was thinking, as our old 
as our text, Luke 15, 18 and 19 states, I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. We now have contrition and confession and both are preferred by the Lord. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. This wayward son has experienced a change of heart. His heart was bent towards the world, but now it is bent towards home. It was bent towards fun and fascination. Now it's bent towards family and towards his father. Remember, before the boy left, he did not want to be a son. He wanted the world. But now the prodigal son realizes that he's not even worthy to be a son of his father. He's willing to go back home and just become a servant for his father because he realizes how egregious his sins were in leaving home. He left high and mighty, but now he's broken and his heart is filled with contrition. And so forth in your outline, consider the look that the father expected. Our text, Luke 15, 20, states, And he arose and came to his father. But when, he's, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. First consider, the father was watching and waiting. You know, this story began with the father and it will end with the father. This is not a story about a fallen son but about a faithful father. You know, I can see the father watching as the boy left for the far country. And he keeps watching him, and he peeks into the distance as the son continues to leave until he finally disappears. That same father is found looking down the road, hoping to see his wayward son heading for home. And I believe that father looked down that road every day, maybe every morning, maybe midday, and every evening. He was heartbroken seeing that boy rebel and walk away and how he longed daily to see his boy coming home. And then consider that the father was willing and welcoming. Our text, verse 20, states, So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Not only was that father watching and waiting for his wayward son, but he was willing and welcoming. You know, I dare say that many sinners are worried about how God might look upon their waywardness and their sinfulness. But this verse tells us exactly how God will react he will be willing and welcoming you to come home. And you, you can watch this father runs and hugs that boy and he begins to kiss away his sins. And lastly, consider the number five, the love that the father expressed. First, the grievous confession, verse 21. And the father said to him, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. We know that this son had already practiced this speech. 
He admits his sin against heaven, his sin against his father, and realizes that he's not worthy to be a son. But his father's not in the mood for confession. He has other plans for this boy. So consider the gracious celebration, verses 22 to 24 of our text. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. You know, again, this story is not about a fallen boy, but a faithful father. He covers the boy's feet, places a ring on his hands, and a robe upon his ragged and worn body. And then he commands that a fattened calf be killed because they are going to eat. The community's coming to celebrate. And the old boy was literally dead, but now he's home. He is alive and he is well. He was lost, but now he is found. Now listen to, the, to this following story because it speaks very well of this father. A man was commissioned to paint a picture of the prodigal son. And he went to work, working to produce a picture worthy of telling the story. And finally the day came when the painting was complete and he unveiled the finished work. And the scene in the painting was outside of the father's house and showed the open arms of each approaching each other. And they were just about to meet and embrace the man who commissioned the work was really pleased with the way it came out. And he was prepared to pay the artist for his work when he suddenly noticed a detail that he had missed. Because standing out in the painting above everything else in the scene was a starkly apparent fact that the father was wearing one red shoe and one blue shoe. He couldn't believe his eyes. How could this be that the painter made such an error? He asked the painter, and the painter simply smiled and nodded, assuring the man, yes, this is a beautiful representation of the love of God for his children. The man asked, what do you mean? To which the painter replied, the father in this picture wasn't interested in being color-coordinated or fashion-conscious when he went out to meet his son. In fact, he was in such a hurry to show his love for his son, he simply reached and grabbed the nearest two shoes that he could find. Well, listen, our God is the God of the unmatched shoes. Yes, the father in the story of the prodigal son reflects the God of the unmatched shoes. You know, he hurries out to reach his son as because he has returned and he, he hurries to forgive him, not with crossed arms of disapproval, but with outstretched open arms of love. And the father hurries to reassure his son of the love that he has for him. The father hurries so much that the son doesn't fully understand what is going on. He hurries so much that he puts the two nearest shoes on his feet because he's not concerned with color or fashion. He's only concerned about the returning son. My closing thought, this story is about the faithfulness of a father that is willing to take you in. Will you come home? He is willing, he is waiting, 
and he's watching. Just as I am willing, waiting, and watching for the return of my son, Chris. Service is over. And as you leave, consider that there are men in this body who are willing, waiting, and watching for loved ones to come around. Prayerfully consider that. Consider them and offer them encouragement. It's happy Father's Day. Amen? I'll see you next week.